you use. And uh, oh, thank you. We got our recording going. Come on in. Good to see everybody. Um, just want to encourage you. You know, we got new faces in the crew, and uh, I'm not gonna make them stand up and all that. But if you don't recognize somebody, you should say hi. How you doing? My name is you know, and be loving. You know, afterwards in the fellowship, right? Because there's unfamiliar, unfamiliar face. This is a small enough room where you can actually meet people, say hello. Maybe even set up a coffee or something. Wow, that's amazing. Have them over for dinner. Oh, blow away concept. Wow, is that Easter? And are we allowed to do that in the West? I don't know. So, um, yeah, but if you see uh, unfamiliar faces, you know, be nice. Become passionate and loving. It's hard to move to new places. It's not easy. It's hard. Um, especially a place like this. It's not a little bitty church. So you guys, there's a lot of craziness can feel crazy on Sundays sometimes, you know, a lot of stuff going on. Um, so we're going to go to the Bible tonight, if that's cool with you guys. We're going to keep our study of Genesis going. Amen. And uh, I'm grateful for the last uh, couple weeks, so grateful for Mick, God using him to have great lessons, you know, and great discussion. Uh, so we're going to just dive in. We're going to have a word of prayer. Brother McNeely, would you be willing to, to do that for us, man? Thank you, sir. Uh, Heavenly Father, first we just want to uh, take the time just to uh, acknowledge that you are God, um, Man. that you are all-loving, the creator of all things, um, and that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to, to die on the cross so that we could have a relationship with you. Yeah. We are incredibly humbled uh, by you and in awe of your entire creation and all the battles that you fight for us, God, we're, we're just truly thankful. We ask that you uh, just open up our hearts and our minds um, to just be filled up with the Holy Spirit yep. and to be able to take in your word in, in every way that we need to be able to, to incorporate it into our lives for just our spiritual uh, uh, uplifting in every area of our lives. Uh, we love you, we trust you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dwayne. And uh, in the spirit of, like, we learned as parents, and even Lynn, I think, mentioned this in a training class she was doing this weekend, but when you catch, you know, people doing something good, you should say it, right? And not just focus on the negative. You guys are doing great being on time. When we change the time on you, you're actually doing better and better every week. And I'm just trying to say that and encourage you because it is true. So, amen. Um, so, um, you know, we've, we've Greg been... Greg uh, over there, Greg is not... Greg is, but Greg <laughs> is not on time. You know, no. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It's all the perspective. <laughs> uh, so, you know, last week I was, I was really encouraged, and you realize we only, we only went through like six or seven verses last week, okay? But... That was like a treasure trove mm -hmm. yeah. of just transformative teaching. You know what I'm saying? Just good stuff. And I'm sure you have your, your moments from the last couple weeks that have stuck with you or last week. I know for, for me last week I was really encouraged by the whole concept that, you know, Mick was talking about, like, you know, holding two things in tension. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're, uh, we're image bearers of God. That is a majestic concept. Right. Mind-blowing. Wow. When you just sit on that one thought. But also, from dust we've come and from dust we will return. And we kind of hold those two things in tension. We shouldn't get too arrogant, you know, but, but we shouldn't demean ourselves either and devalue ourselves, you know. Um, and I, I appreciated that, that concept, and I've been, I've been thinking about that throughout the week. I also appreciated, you know, um, I think Michelle even just talked about how, yeah, Adam and Eve had a rough situation, right? The garden didn't end well for them, right? It was, a you know, the banishment, not fun. But when you look at, you turn the page and you see they're living outside of the garden, but God still has a relationship with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's still present with them. And their kids are offering sacrifice, or they're, they're, they're providing an offering to God. So Adam and Eve didn't muddy the water. Somehow they still were able to transfer to their kids, even with their own challenging situation. You know what? God is still worth giving an offering to. He's still worth having a relationship with. And I think that to me was helpful, you know, as we, as we talked about that. Um, 
maybe the, the most <laughs> maybe the most impactful thing um, that helped, happened for me last week was my man Alex Jackson. <laughs> Alex, man, I almost titled the message tonight. It's all Alex Jackson's fault. That's the, <laughs> that's the title of the of the message because he just got real about the Cain and Abel story. He called it his struggle story. I, I even wrote that down. I was I was like, wow, this is great. And he even said, man, sometimes I skip it. I mean, he's like like the Jews walking around Samaria. Like they wouldn't want to go through it sometimes because they didn't, you know, like you were like going around the Cain and Abel story. You didn't even want to read it. I was like, wow. And then you got open like, why? I was like, this is great stuff. You know, and he was just sharing, you know, kind of his feelings. And it, it, it's again, it's a reminder like Michael Burns reminded us, probably Mick too. I mean, the Bible is written to be referred to over a lifetime. I mean, you're supposed to go back to the same passages over and over again and reflect on them, literally chew on them, and, and let them just sit in your mind and in your heart and let, the, let them do their work. And you're, you're supposed to put yourself in there. And what would I do? Or what's going on? That's, the, that's what the Bible is. It's that type of literature. So it was cool to, to, to hear the struggle with it. Man, this story, there's a part of it I don't like. And the thing I appreciate that Alex brought up was, you know what? That, that was unfair. Well, I don't know if he used the word unfair, but he did kind of hint at it. And uh, if you remember, the thing that kind of bothered him was found in, in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, because after all the bad stuff went down and God is, you know, he's laying out the consequences, you know. In verse 17, to the man, he said, you know, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And Alex did not like that when it came to the Cain and Abel story. Because in Genesis 4, what do we learn about Abel and Cain in verse 3? Abel was a keeper of the sheep, sheep, and what was Cain? A tiller of the ground. The cursed ground. And I, and I, I was sitting, I, so I, I was like, man, Alex messed me up. So now I gotta, <laughs> I gotta make peace with this passage myself. <laughs> right? So I actually started reading the passage with that lens. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not fair. You know, like, like can God. Can this, can I read it from that, just that perspective? Like, I don't think that's a crazy perspective to have. You know, that Cain might be a little upset that he got the short end of the stick that, you know, man, why can't I keep the sheep? Because if you were Cain, how would you feel? You might be tempted to feel something like that's not right. Do you like, do you like Abel more than me? Because you gave him an easier gig. Uh, I think sometimes we do that. We compare ourselves to each other and we look at each other's plight. And then we get mad. We can get a little funky with God because mm -hmm. we can think that, well, you gave them kids. I can't have kids or whatever. I mean, these, sometimes these things are real yeah. and they can kind of they can get in there. Yeah. Right. And so I was trying to read this this story with kind of that, man, what if I were Cain feeling that and thinking that that was lodged in my heart and in my mind? Jeff, that's not in the text. Exactly. It's not in the text. But I think, again, this type of literature it causes you to try to think about, because there are always these gaps that are in there. And I think the gaps help us to slide into the story if we allow it. So let's say that Cain is struggling with a low-grade anger or bitterness towards God. And so God, and God who knows all, he, find, he knows, he knows, he knows. So what's, what's God's, what's his recourse? What can he do? What does God choose to do with Cain? He chooses to reach out to him, mm -hmm. right? But the way, but I like the way he reaches out to him, right? You know, because he could have been accusatory and all of that, but that is not the way God operates. And uh, and I also appreciate what Mick talked about too. He talked about how our offering is inseparable from our character. You know what I mean? And there was something that God saw in the offering that was, for whatever reason, God chose. You know, I, I didn't. He didn't regard it or whatever your translation says. Look on it with favor. Uh, and so there's, but there's something deeper going on there, you know. And, and God knew, you know. We don't have the perspective uh, that God has. So God's like, you know, let me talk to him. I'm going to give him a chance to unpack his anger. I'm going to give him a chance to unpack the bitterness. 
Um, I'm going to warn him about how life is, because I know how life works, and he's, he does it. And let me do it in a non-accusatory way, right? And I, I'm going to explain to him his predicament. Uh, and I love how God just approaches him, you know? Why are you angry, King? In verse 6. Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. And what do you notice about Cain's response? What does he say? It's a gap. It's a gap. Mm-hmm. What do you do with these gaps? You know? What would you say? And I think that's that's the point. I think that's part of it. Is you need to you need to learn that when you have low grade feelings, mm-hmm. anger, bitterness, unfair, this is not right. Just so you know, this is the predicament that you might be in. That just on the other side is, is this concept of sin. And it's not just a neutral aspect. It's, it wants to master you, have you, take you out. So it's good to deal with what's going on in your heart. And I think this text, if you let it, it, it gives you a, a pathway to learn how to deal with your own junk that can be in your heart. Because there's a good chance that all of us in this room have some junk somewhere in our hearts right now. Yep, yep, yep. There's a good chance. Man, so much can happen between verse 7 and verse 8. We, it is a gap, man. There is no, I mean, there is a huge gap. But what we do know is that Cain was not conversing with God. He would, whatever we get, the, the author, the writer, the editor, whoever, we get no. And Cain responded, we get none of that. But here's what we do get. Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Wow. I mean, rose up and killed his brother. So what image do you see here? Whose, whose image is he bearing? Hmm. Not God's. Not God's. No. The one who tried to take God's throne you know, right, because he's not bearing the image of God right here. <laughs> and that was, we've been harping on this. That's, that was our role. That's why we were here, you know. Um, but we got to see that that's how sin works. It, 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 it desires to have you, and when it gets you, you you're made in its image. Now you, it wants you in its image. And so you start acting in that image. Even more so, <laughs> to give you more of a feel of it, back in Genesis when the whole, you know, cursing was going on and all that, you know, God says, I will put enmity between you and the serpent. Your, your offspring and his offspring are going to be at enmity. And so the, that's the theme that you'll see throughout Genesis. The seed or the generations to follow of the serpent or the seed that God's trying to use to crush the heel. There's, so there's two paths. See, you're going to see this all the way through Genesis. That's, that's one of the main themes that run throughout Genesis. Who's gonna, who are these people going to be? Are they going to choose the path of accepting God's you know, heart, his love, that you're an image bearer? Yes, there are going to be some restrictions in life, but man, you're free to do so much. All of that, you can choose that. And if you are, you'll be in the seed of the promise to get to the point where the serpent gets dealt with. Or you can be the seed of the serpent who's not really liking the way God operates and is trying to kind of get around it or through it or avoid it. So you have a choice. And you're going to see that played out over and over and over again in in Genesis, right? Verse 9. Somebody read verses 9 and 10. Somebody read that out out loud. 9 and 10. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? 
the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. What do you notice about, we finally get to hear Cain speak. Yeah. What do you notice about what he said? He lies. He what? Lies. Image bearer of God? No. No. Does this sound familiar? Mess up. God asks a question. And then come out of the mouth craziness. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Yep. Where'd you hear that? Adam, Adam and Eve. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Guys, this is who we are. Let yourself be moved, be moved, transformed, and changed by these passages. You're going to need to go to them over and over to understand humanity. Yep. Alright? <laughs> you know? And, and that's the thing. It's like... Cain is just playing the tape of his dad, and you know, I mean, it's just like the same thing over and over again. But like, like, like Marie said, the first thing out of his mouth is a lie. Sin is lurking at your door, son. If you let, if you don't deal with what's in your heart, it's going, it's going to master you. And that, I think, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Because Cain zips it. Then, you know, there's a gap. There's a blank. We don't know. Well, we see how he responds. He kills his brother. Kills him. And then when he's called, and it, you know, where is your brother Abel? As if God doesn't know. Why would God ask these questions? And what's, what, what, what do you think that, yeah, and why is that good? Or, or is that good? Or what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think that's in there. Anybody else got any other thoughts on Yeah. I, I, I agree with that a lot. Um, I also think that both in his case and his dad's case, they're all, everybody else was blaming somebody else. Nobody was taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, not just a lie, but it's just like, hey, it ain't my problem. Yeah. Somebody else did it. Just part of the lie, but yeah. Anyway, irresponsibility. Yeah. Not taking Doesn't take responsibility, yeah. Maybe God's trying to reach out to him and just like he was trying to reach out to Adam, you know, where are you? Yeah, where are you? Mm -hmm. Who told you who told you you were naked? Yep. These questions of God are amazing. Like he, he just he's given he's given his his these creator people, he's given them a chance to to get it out. Like we need we we need and if when we're good image bearers, guess what we do for one another? Here, how's your heart, man? How you doing? Non-accusatory question, mm -hmm. yeah. but it gives. Man, Jeff, you know I'm feeling funky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? What's up? Those are godly, non-accusatory. Gives you gives you a chance to take the, the question and maybe yeah maybe assess what's going on, <laughs> and then maybe respond and. Have that fellow image bearer who is my brother. What if he really thinks he's my he's my keeper? He's gonna try to help me out. Right. And that's what we're made to do. We're made to be there for each other. It's not good for man to be alone. We need you know there's we need these relationships and these connections. And and I think we gotta learn how to help each other. Know what's going on in our hearts. I think that's a great thing that we can do for one another. Yep. And I think Cain didn't. Cain just he just was just zipped up. You know he was just zipped up in a lot of ways. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to understand like the God's reaction, and I love that in verse nine. <coughs> it's like I imagine if I'm if I was seeing God, you know, speaking to Cain, he he's like, you know, his heart's broken. He's like, where is where is your brother Abel? But then the next time after he gives him a chance to respond, the Lord it seems the Lord is like angry now. Like he's like, I gave you a chance, and you lied. And okay, I'm just gonna. I'm going to respond, and like there's an exclamation point, and so I was wondering, like, how when you're reading this text, the original text, like, did how did they account for God's reaction, like, like how? Because it seems like this is showing me God gives that chance, but then He gets really angry. But I'm like, does the text have like exclamation points? Exclamation points didn't exist back then. Like, I'm just curious and trying to understand how they would have shown God's levels. 
Yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't think we know God's levels per se from what we can see on the page other than if, even if he is angry, even if he is angry, it's not, anger is not, quote unquote, a sin, so to speak. It's just like, you know, the guy, there are places where God does get angry. But I don't know if we can necessarily say he's just like a, a deep, like, I'm so mad that I want to throw you out the room kind of thing. I, but I do think there's concern, and I think there's, you know, I think there's alarm, and I think there's, but it's like this extra is, you know. You know, I didn't take Hebrew. Um, I, I know in Greek they don't have, they don't have exclamation points and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I haven't taken Hebrew. So I don't know if they, I haven't studied this passage in that way. Um, so, yeah, oftentimes they don't have the same type of grammatical stuff that we have. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't even know if I necessarily think God is like, I mean, I do think he's angry. He's, I mean, if somebody killed, I mean, he, if he isn't angry on some level, I don't know if I even would like that on some level. Right. You know, to, to see that happen, I think there's got to be something in him um, that, you know, uh, but he's still, he hasn't um, separated himself from, I mean, you know what I mean? He hasn't read retribution in any way, right? Mm-hmm. This is still, he's using words. He's trying to reach him. Yeah. I'm just going to comment on that. St- um, stands out to me, it says, at least in my verse, it says, and the Lord said, what have you done? To me, that it isn't, it is an anger, but it's a, it's kind of like a father with a child going, what have you done? It, it's more of a concern. It's more of a, a caring sort of anger. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's a, not, not so much, I can't believe you did this, but it's, it's such a heartfelt, oh, what have you done? Yeah. It, it, disappointment. Yeah. In a big way, too. It's just all wrapped sure. in together in that phrase to me. Oh, I mean, wouldn't your heart be crushed, you know? Especially when the answer is, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, sometimes my kids have said stuff. <laughs> Man, if I said that to my mom, I would be, I'd be on the other side of the room, a shoe in my head, you know what I mean? Um, but because uh, you don't see the remorse or the, oh, man, oh, you, you, God, you did tell me, like, oh, I, I didn't listen. You don't see, what are you talking, it's not on me, kind of thing, and it, woo, what have you done, you know, yeah, true. So, just reading this, what jumps off the page to me is God's mercy, even through the lie, even through the lack of taking responsibility, God really says, I won't even let anyone kill you, Mm -hmm. like, even though God may be upset. I won't even let anyone touch you. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. And it just shows me that no matter how far as a people we can go, God always has that remnant of grace. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time you've seen that and we're four chapters in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because right. yeah. same thing happened with Adam and Eve. I mean, they mess up. He's not just like totally, no, let me make you something to wear. Let me still let me still maintain relationship with you, even though you've totally jacked up. So again, because God is always the main character of, of what's happening. Yeah. the relationship and the connection. 
there is intensity here. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, having, being people who've never seen God face to face and who really know him through words, it can become, you know, more theoretical <coughs> and conceptual and, you know, God sends Abel out and Abel left and so, you know, and it seems like almost like stick figures moving. But as you're reading this, their, their dialogue is very intense. Mm -hmm. There is a, the, the, and, and what that speaks to me about is um, when the Bible talks about God wanting to be in relationships with, with him, right? In relationship with him. And we're reading this, it's like, this is a very intense relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's not um, at a distance. It's not clean, it's not neat. Yeah. And um, I think that's the word I was looking for last week. There's passion here. Mm -hmm. And you know, not sure all what to do with that, but it is very encouraging to read that. But in the way they're going back and forth, in the way that he blows it, and then he's like, you know, like someone said, I'm, I'm gonna put my mark to protect you. And not only that, if someone harms you, there will be vengeance upon them. I mean, there's like, you know, I. I as I read the Bible more and more, there's things there are things about God that I get more and more and more, and there are things that I don't quite understand. But and that's okay, you know, that's okay. But looking at the the power and the intensity, it just helps to raise my expectation as to the kind of connection that God wants to have with me when I look at this expression. Yeah, I I, I hear yeah. yeah. I was thinking how much I'm struck with uh, the whole theme of relationship. That I, I was thinking about the contrast between Alex. It was so true. Hearing you last week was just like, just a, in real time processing some of it and some of the wrestling. But that's the point. You wrestle with it. Mm -hmm. So you keep going back to it. And then you have Cain who has this interaction with God. I'm sure he didn't leave that interaction well. That went down well. You know, like he left feeling... But he didn't wrestle it out either. And I think that so often we, we don't get that just the legitimacy of God wants that relationship so badly. Mm -hmm. Even when I come to him with the wrong attitudes, I'm coming to him. Mm -hmm. What he doesn't want is for me to withdraw. Mm -hmm. But he does it, and when I do, what does he do? He comes after me. Yep. And that's what I just see with Adam. When he just keeps coming back saying, I want connection. Mm -hmm. yeah. I yeah. want to be, I want us to be in this together. Yep. And I'm okay with you, Blown, but I want to stay connected. Yeah. And I think how often we wrestle with that. And, it, and, and uh, you said relationship. Okay, so you don't have to close your eyes, but just what, what word? Man, if we, if we could read Hebrew, it would just jump off the page. But what word, thinking relationship, what word is, do you think is, is the point? Just, just listen. Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out into the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. What word? Brother. 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 Don't, don't come at me with this. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I, I'm going to let you, you know, this is. <laughs> and so he wants connection. He's passionate about his connection with his people. And I think he wants us to be passionate in loving each other as, as image bearers of God. And I, I think he's, you know, the writer is helping us see this is horrible. And it's also setting up a theme, once again, the theme of seed of the serpent or seed of the woman. Which is it going to be? And the other theme is brother ha brothers have problems in Genesis. So... <laughs> This theme is going to keep running its way through. Uh, brothers have problems. And yeah. mm -hmm. in, in, in the godly families of Genesis, you're going to see this issue of brother, brotherly issues, you know. 
And you're going to see that oftentimes it's the, old, the older always being at the top. Eh. God's flipping all this stuff around. So, uh, so these are themes that you'll see, you know, throughout as well. Did I miss somebody? I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. I had one more thing I wanted to say. It was just uh, on the truth thing again. Uh, it's, I've been, you know, again, I'm no expert, and I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not God's judge for sure. I can't judge him. But um, a pattern that I've been observing, whether it's talking about the woman at the well, or whether it's Adam, or here, Cain, uh, the way he's trying to, that intense dialogue he's talking, he's, he's always, whether it's confronting or, or reaching out to somebody, he's always trying to get them to tell the truth. And I'm thinking that, that the relationship is like it can't be based on lies. That relationship has to be based on truth. Mm-hmm. And so to get him to, to, for him to get us or anybody else to walk with him down that relationship road, he wants to start it on truth. Mm-hmm. Right? And to draw the truth out of them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, honey? Yeah, I just, um, when, when Cain responds to God after he tells him his punishment, and he says, you know, and I will be hidden from your presence. It's too much for me. This punch is too much. But God didn't say that before that. He just said, you're going to go out. You're going to be cursed. He didn't say, you won't have my friends. But Cain was like, that's too much. So I don't know if he took God for granted. I mean, that's like you're saying, this is a text we can guess at all sorts of things to process. So who knows? I don't know if he really just took God's presence for granted. Um, because God was so good to him. God is so good to us. He just thought he could lie to him. He thought he could get away with whatever. <clears throat> he thought he could talk back however. <laughs> you know. And then when he realized, like, you're putting me away from you? Like, I, I, don't, I obviously didn't care about my brother. I don't care what my parents think because I'm killing my brother. And that's going to break their heart. But, like, I, well, it's too much to be separated from you, though, God. Which is kind of interesting to me that he did not, that he cared about being separated from God. Again, it could be selfishly motivated because then he's like, well, because if I am, somebody will kill me. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, at least, but at least somehow he connected like being separated from God is the ultimate punishment, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and this is the beauty of reading in community. Yeah. Yep. Because, and that's what we've been doing. And because and people have different, you know, perspectives, right? You know, and, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, you can read it. I mean, we hadn't gotten there, but the whole thing about, you know, my, yeah, my punishment, uh, verse 13, is greater than I can bear. Today you have driven me away from the soil, and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and anyone who meets me may kill me. There's an old saying that I did not make it up. It is old, but it's so appropriate. <laughs> Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And that is what Cain is dealing with right now. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just that's just a, a truism it seems like in life. And I think this passage kind of plays it out. That, that, that's how sin works in our lives. It takes us farther than we want to go, then it keeps us longer than we want to stay, and it costs us more than you want to pay. And Cain, whether some might say Cain is totally self-pity mode. So that's what some scholars, you know, you've driven me away from the soil, right? What about your brother, bro? Can you, have you, can you mention his neck? Can you, is anywhere you're going to say what, you know, what happened and, you know, um, I shall be hidden from your face, right? You know, and is he coming to terms with that, or is he is he trying to manipulate God? We don't, again, we don't know. I, we don't get the answer, but we can in community talk about it. You know, I'll be a wanderer on the earth. Anyone who meets me may kill me. Wait a minute. If anyone meets me, may kill me. Where would anybody get an idea to do that? <laughs> oh, so you're afraid that somebody might do to you what you just did? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, and now you're scared about it. <laughs> Well, you know, if I were God, I'd be like, oh, no, they'll be your brother's keepers. Oh. <laughs> That's my sarcasm. <laughs> no, everybody's a brother's keeper out there. You'll be fine. Right? right? You know what I mean? You always want to get back at, at Cain. He's all fearing people may kill him, you know? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Arnold Horshack over here. That's an old, I just aged myself. This is the first yeah. thing, and then the second thing, if you didn't call, you're going to get a kick. Oh, okay. <laughs> um... You know, when uh, two comments, one, 
uh, Abel gave the best of his portions, and Cain gave portions. And we don't see where God says give the best. Um, it just, for some reason, they knew to give God. And so it seems to me that Abel was a stronger, has stronger respect for God than Cain. And uh, because Abel gave him the best, and Cain just sort of gave what was expected. Which then, if you play down later, then God rises up Abel. And if Cain doesn't have the kind of respect to God that he showed up above, then he's, you know, more likely going to sin. And so it kind of shows, I think, where it started was um, Cain didn't have the kind of respect and love and adoration to God that Abel had. And so that was the start of it. And then it ended up in the sin. But then the last thing you read, um, um, it says, um, you know, you have banished me from the land and from the presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. But Adam and Eve were the first two. And then Cain and Abel were the first two. So who are all those people wandering around trying to kill him? If they're the first two. Right. And and that's why, even, but even if you allow for a gap in between some of these verses, yeah. is what I'm saying. Like, there are a lot of unstated things going on in the, in the past. It's almost like God's giving you a microscope or a magnifying glass for what's happening in this situation. And uh, I think, like, even, even the gap between Cain, don't do anything. You know, who knows? I mean, you know. <laughs> How long was that? How long did that take? I don't know. There's, there's all these. If you, you, you don't know when things happen so much because that's not what this story is trying to convey, so to speak. You know what I mean? And so I think that's a part of it too. Um, is it's not going to be this massively chronological, uh, you know, treatise on stuff like that. But did you ever hear yeah, that? So, I'm sorry. I, sure. Oh, I thought you. <laughs> no, I thought I missed you. I was, I was processing. I didn't know um, if I finished. Are you? Yeah, I, no, I, I wasn't finished. No, no, no. Yeah, I, that's, no, keep going. But you can go ahead and just roll <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to get kicked, man. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, you know, it, it is a problem. Wait a second. If they're Cain and Abel are the first two, then why is Cain worried about getting beat up by other people when they're the only two people on earth? Which means that there must have been a lot of other groups and a lot of other people. And sometimes we think that this is all chronological and Adam and Eve were the first people, but that doesn't mean that God didn't create a whole bunch of other people. It's true. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's a perception there that it just kind of came from Adam and Eve and, you know, and they kept sprouting from there. But yeah. Again, once again, it's Wait, that Western, this, this Eastern... This is a big change. Huh? If that's not the case, that's... Well, how, I mean, how old he gets a wife in 17. But yeah. I was assuming they were siblings of his siblings from Adam and Eve. Either way, we don't talk about him. She shows up and she's old enough to have kids. There's some time. But that doesn't mean that they, just because they were the first doesn't mean they're the only. They're still right. cranking out exactly. kids. Or somebody else has kids. Either way, yeah. there's a thing called there's deconstruction. But this is, yeah, this is good. And you should have the space to think space. about it. Yeah. And you don't need to believe it nope. tonight. And it if you don't, but you, just you just can right. wrestle with it and like, and, and approach and approach this ancient Hebrew text on its own terms, and allow it to convey information the way they felt information needed to be conveyed, and maybe just maybe we impose our thinking. No, you got to tell a story like oh, yeah. everybody has to be accounted for, it, and you know you can't just drop people in the story. You know, and so we can you know be that way, and and I think the the Bible's big enough for those questions. Yeah, but we need to give each other the space to. Have them and wrestle, you know, and we might end up on different ends of the spectrum on certain things. And I think we still got to be able to say, brother, sister, 
and be okay. You know, and keep yeah. and keep working, mm-hmm. and know that maybe you might end up closer on their side, and one day they might end up closer on your side. But we can still yeah. approach this this amazing document that no other document like this can give us so much understanding of who we are. I, you know, biochemistry can't do it. I'm sorry. It can give you a lot of truth and explain a lot of stuff, but it, sin is lurking at your door, and it desires. I mean, there's some things in here that we're not going to get in the other place. And uh, so I just, I love this. This is how, you know, we, we read in community. We process at different rates, but we respect each other's ability to figure stuff out. Um, and I, so thank you for bringing that up, Marie and Dave. Deconstruction. Okay. <laughs> I'm sad enough. Thank, thank you guys for letting me process. I didn't mean to be a focal point of this <laughs> said lesson. Um, but th- this passage, I don't know, for my whole life as a Christian, it gets brought up. I don't know if you've ever been in like, a men's group, this gets brought up. If you've ever been in like a business group, this gets brought up. It's one of those passages that comes up a lot. Um, and I appreciate a brother who mentioned this, pulled me aside at the end of last week. I, I see now that there are other perspectives there, and I appreciate the ability to be able to process in that way. Um, but on a on a different note, I thought it was very enlightening, uh, at least in some ways it's brought up tonight, how there's a vocational focus that's kind of off in some ways where Cain is looking to this cursed thing to give him purpose, and from it he sees a lack. He doesn't have enough. He can't fulfill. Uh, he can't provide, which I don't know, as a guy, I've related to that place as okay. brokenness, and I've talked to a lot of other guys, uh-huh. felt that same thing. But yet God is saying, hey, if you do what is right, will you not be enough? Will I not take care of you? Am I not there? Mm-hmm. Are you not really about being your brother's keeper when you're fixated on this broken thing, this broken business, this broken ground, yeah. that profit you didn't pull in, mm-hmm. that thing you didn't close, you know, that client mm-hmm. who got away? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Fill in the blank, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. the thing you don't have. Yeah. And at least when I talk to guys, that's that's always a focus. Yeah. And I think the, the struggle came with this idea that anytime this passage is brought up, we talk about Abel. Abel has no words. The only time he says anything is when God says he says, you know, he's calling from the ground. Mm-hmm. But yet we all have these passages from Cain where there's things for us to wrestle. Yeah. And I appreciate that heart that we're we are to wrestle mm-hmm. to be able to find those gems that are hidden in there. Yeah. No, that's good. I love when we try to under we the, like uh, Michael Burns was talking about this weekend. You know, it's it's written. It's not necessarily written to us per se. It's written for us, and we can, you know, we can learn a lot uh, from it. And you can make these life applications and wrestle with that. You know, um, I love I love what you just shared. I mean, I think that's very helpful, and I think we should use the Bible more in this way because it affect, it affects our daily lives if we allow it. Um, so we'll keep it moving. Uh, let's see. Doo-doo-doo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just got through. So Cain, his, who knows what he's really feeling. There's different takes on that. Is it self-pity? Is it whatever? Is he really understanding what happened? He talks about, man, somebody might kill me. In verse 15, the Lord said to him, not so. Whoever kills Cain will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. Whenever you see that number seven, right? It's all that numerology in the Bible, so to speak. It's Kind of like that concept of like the as complete as it can be, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <clears throat> the Lord put a mark on Cain. We don't know what the mark is. I mean, but you could trust. You could research. You could go. People have wow, Crazy. crippled, paralytic, tattoo, all kind of things. Um, there's all kind of. I'm not even trying to. I don't think it makes that huge of a difference to me, but to you it might. But why does God do that so that no one would come upon him and kill him? Well, how does that work? I don't totally know. But it worked. God, who created all things, can figure out how to put something on somebody to do what he needed it to do. Yeah. yeah. Why did God do that? You should ask him. I'm <laughs> but so that no one would kill him. <laughs> but, you know, there's another story of redemption. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, he's, he's making sure that, it, what is he saying? Cain, when you, when you picked up that rock and you killed your brother... That was, you know, that's not the image that I'm trying to portray. But this is, I'm going to, I am actually going to not take vengeance on you. And I'm going to prevent others from doing that. Mm -hmm. That is, that is what it looks like 
if the world were more like me, this is how the world would work, you know? Right. And, and honestly, that's how I created the world to be, <laughs> is to have these type of interactions, you know? Um, well, we're not taking each other's lives, but we're offering redemption and we're offering protection and these types of things. And again, it's God in his praxis or how, you, how he's kind of living it out, kind of showing us what it means to live in his image, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and it even seems as though, like, like you say, like this, you know, this concept. Now you're now you're going to be a wanderer, and the and the ground, whatever ground you might end up on, won't yield what you wanted to yield, moving forward, kind of thing. Is that at work too? You know, yeah. And it, to me, it goes back to the the relationship thing, and and just the the realization. Like Cain may have thought, oh my gosh, this ground is so hard. To work on, but there was at least good crops where the God's like, okay, no longer will it yield good crops. And that's one of those like, oh, dang, I guess things weren't as bad as I thought they were yeah. before. Yes. And But I didn't have a realistic view because right. I was so caught up in self-focus of, well, it looks, and the comparison of yep. All he has to do is take that one little animal and kill them, but I've got a weed and I've got a pole and then I come up with this fruit. But then it's like, oh, those were good crops. Now I'm not even going to have good, no matter how hard I work. Right, right. Like, oh, snap, it wasn't that bad as I thought it was, which to me then echoes the his parents' story in the Garden of Eden of like, oh, I didn't need to know all this. Like, right. we actually had a good not, right. not knowing. Right. Right. Oh, yep. snap, now we know. Yep. This exactly. is not no bueno. Yep. Um, God keeps getting proved right. Right. He gives you restrictions. He he warns you ahead of time, you, and then you realize, dang! Once again, it's like God keeps being proved right. You know, God didn't give him a life that was unlivable, unmanageable. Cain could have given. He didn't have the right heart. He didn't realize how good he had it. And God once again is proved right, but unfortunately, they got to deal with the consequences of those decisions. You know, and uh, and he had to, <coughs> you know, leave the presence of the Lord and settled. In the land of Nod, east of Eden. And as we talked about last week, usually in the Bible, when you start heading east, it's usually uh, negative. Uh, movement to the east is usually negative in, the, in, uh, in Genesis. So, um, Cain knew his wife, verse 17, and she conceived and bore Enoch, and he built a city and named it Enoch after his son Enoch. Any thoughts? Wow. Wife. Yeah. Now God is changing all the mistakes that a killer 
And a father, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of once again, mm-hmm. Cain, Cain doesn't deserve to have kids. Well, God is still mm-hmm. allowing yes, him to have children. Mm-hmm. He doesn't totally, you know, take that gift away as well. Uh, what do you think about the naming of the city? Any any significance in your opinion or not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which seems to suggest just, you know, out the blue. I mean, that your son is like, is like your strength, right? The creation that, that, that demonstrates your, um, I mean, you know, just theorizing. But maybe it's because it demonstrated his strength, that this, you know, Hina, my son, yeah. boy. And so it does, it, does, it does seem to me like the focus is, is definitely not on <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Than himself, but, you know. Exactly, and that'll come a little bit into play in a minute, yeah. Doesn't Enoch mean walk with God? <coughs> This is a different Enoch, but yeah, oh. that, there's there is an Enoch that okay. that we're gonna run into. This okay. you're gonna be like, yeah, that Enoch got a good okay. situation. In. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting because building a city is the opposite <coughs> of wandering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he is not wandering. Not wandering. I'm gonna wander. Yeah. He's like, I will do the opposite, and I'm gonna name this city after my son to show I'm building something on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Trying to make things in his image. Yeah. Yep. These are all all of these <laughs> concepts are what you'll read about. You know, honestly, when you study this out, it's this this concept of not a God honoring. The the the, the trajectory of this moment is not let me honor God. <laughs> it's it's definitely definitely not that. And it's yeah, it's even even in the image of the the, the, the person and not to God, you know, and that kind of thing. And again But you could say it started from just giving a gift to God, not giving the best. It was sort of, that was an indication of the direction it might to go. Because it continued to get less and less honoring of God. And and, and this pro, this progression keeps, I'm sorry, yeah. No, I just want to say, yeah, I, yeah. I think that, I feel like this is an, an example of where I have limited, limited understanding of the Bible. Because, like, my first... My first thought when I heard that he named the, the city after his son, I was like, oh, he's trying to s- allow his son to start over and have a new, fresh start without the tainting of his name. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's my first thought I had, but then mm-hmm. as soon as everyone was making comments, okay. I felt like that thought I had was, like, destroyed. And so, um, <laughs> it was like, yeah, no, that's he's a good not one. honoring God. Da, 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 da. And I'm like... I'm, I'm like, how are people getting that and uh, that thought that, you know, but then you were mentioning down the line, we see. Yeah, we'll see a little something things. else so when it comes to naming. I guess it's kind of like what Michael Burns is talking about. Like, if you read it here, like, I can make it mean anything I want because yeah. I, was, I see, like, right. oh, that's Kane is trying to change. But then, like, you need to read it in the context because everyone's. But I, I don't think we need to reject your reading. I'm just saying, just keep it, hold it. I'm just trying to understand how how you know? do we come to how do we how do we come to like a an an honest opinion of like what is actually going on here versus like you know well if the majority thinks it means this then we're gonna go with that versus like what does it actually mean? Do you know what I mean? This yeah, it, just so you know that <laughs> thousands of years of like. Jewish rabbis will write their own opinions on all of these passages and they reference each other and it's still going on to this day and so that's the beauty of this text you know and so your idea might be some rabbi been you know Jair from the 6th century whatever might have thought that at one point and it's recorded somewhere so I'm but I'm just saying engage the text think think about these things and sit on them and pray about them and share them, in, share them in a group. Share them with a friend over coffee. And who knows? You know, I, I think that's what is the beauty of, of these, these passages. Um, um, but, yeah, let's look at verse 19. Um, <clears throat> and it says, uh, you know, Lamech, so Enoch has kids. Da, 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 we start going down the line. Lamech took two wives. Okay. All right. The name of the one was Adah. The name of the other, Zillah. 
Adabor Jabal. He was the ancestor of those who live in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the ancestor of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah bore Tubal Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. I'm not going to get into it deeply, but, you know, some people, some of the commentaries will talk about, you know, the kind of the building of cities and music and all this stuff has kind of a carnal, non-godly vibe the way it's presented in Cain's line. We can explore that later, you know, but that's just a thought, right? Um, <clears throat> verse 23, Lamech, this guy's interesting. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. This guy is, like, interesting, huh? Um, I have killed a man for wounding me. A young man for striking me. And if Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy-sevenfold. That's deep. The Antichrist. You know? What do you, yeah, when you, okay, so in all the context of what we've been <laughs> reading and what is what role is who is Lamech in this in this story of, of the themes we've been talking about? He's Cain's disciple. He's Cain. He, okay, he's the the seed the seed of the serpent, seed. right? Okay, and what man? What does it look like? What do what are we seeing? It's growing more and more. It's worse and worse. It's more, yeah, like it, it's not. Oh, I think this. Oh well. Oh my goodness. Now it's like I am the man, and. Anybody comes and steps to me. First of all, I'm gonna kill him. Secondly, ain't nobody else gonna come step to me because there will be like I'm making the rules now. Okay. Yeah. And God is like, hey, remember me? Like I created you. Yeah. But Lemek is like, no, no, no. I I got this handled because this is how I'm running things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're starting to see the yeah. These. What What are you seeing, Drew? I see that. Two things. One is that someone injured Lamech. So this uh-huh. is new. This is the first time I think I've seen where someone actually injured someone, maybe accidentally or purposely, in the scriptures. And then secondly, Lamech enacts a different type of revenge. It's not geared by emotion or passion or a desire to sure. be something before God. It's out of revenge. Mm-hmm. And that right there is like, for me, it sets mankind on a different. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So we got we got we got two wives, which again, first time we're seeing that. If you want to tra- if you want to interpret the whole wedding thing or ma- marriage concept, one man, one you know, <laughs> and he's got two, and not only is he the guy wounded him. Again, here, what's God's image? Wow, Cain, you killed somebody. Let me try to at least protect you and keep you alive. That's, that's God's image bearer. That's God's character. <laughs> Here's a, it, Lamech gets hit, whatever, wounded. Oh, we don't even know. Like, it could have been an accident. Whatever. I'm taking you out. Wow. So, again, it's this, whoa. And then, and, and then it was, before I was, am I my brother's keeper or kind of thing? But no, no listen, listen, listen. Yeah. Listen, yeah. wounded me, I killed him. If Cain got this, this is what, you know, it's like a boat, like a boasting, like a, yep. yeah. like not only is the image going way on the other side, you're even taking it to another level of just like, whoa, wow. whew, this is where humanity is, <laughs> but not all of humanity, because again, there's a sea, <laughs> yeah. The, the whole thing about if Cain is in seven times, how did he know that? Like, Cain yeah. was his great-great-grandfather. Great was point. that just like something passed down by Cain? He's like, hey, nobody mess with me or you can get a seven times. Yeah. See, that's the thing. And, and the way I process it, and I, I can't prove it, but to me, one, you have a culture of oral tradition, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Massively, to me. Mm-hmm. And two, if a dude had a mark on him that somehow, <laughs> supernaturally, or whatever the word you want to use, or somehow everybody knew you couldn't mess with that guy, <laughs> That story is probably going to keep getting told, especially yeah. within the family. Like, So that's my guess is how it went down. I can't prove it, but that, that's kind of my, my guess. Yeah. Um, this thing has been on my mind since I was a teen, and, and it's because um, 
because it says, uh, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that seven, again, is that full, complete, unlimited. That's the, these are the themes that's kind of, kind of getting at when you see that number. Seven. Yeah. The, um, there's also uh, this, don't know if this is true or not, but um, when you get to the Nephilim, the mighty warriors, and that um, a lot of scholars think that um, Cain and his descendants continued to get more and more evil, and that um, the Nephilim were descendants from Cain that caused and became mighty warriors and caused all kind of trouble for God's people. Yeah, and when you read this, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be like, surprised at it. Yeah. I'm just thinking out loud here, but I mm-hmm. wonder, like, what, like, Lamech in that whole line, I wonder what was their concept of God at this point or relationship with God because Cain was not in his presence anymore. So I'm wondering, like, the rest of them, like, were they in God's presence? Did they get any interactions? Maybe the last thing they heard about God was about this punishment. Um, for Cain, so I'm just wondering if if Lamech is saying this and feeling like God is some foreign concept that they don't get to know about or hear about or talk about because they're not in his presence anymore. So yeah. I'm wondering if that's why he's boasting like, if God said this about Cain, I say this if anybody does this to me because he has no concept of God. Right, which I think you're getting at the point. <laughs> In some respects, this is what it looks like when you don't have God. I, th- I think you're getting at this is the seed of the serpent. When you consistently refuse the parameters of, of life that God has given us, if you decide to go your own way, this is what it looks like. And I, I think you're, you're nailing the, the thinking, I, th- I think, at least that's what I'm gathering. But, that, but then, again, at the very end of the chapter, you, like, you think, dang, life is jacked up. This is messed up. This is terrible. Then you get like a few more verses to close out the, this con- in verse 25. Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another child instead of Abel because Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to invoke the name of the Lord. So, (laughs) once again, despite all this craziness and killing going on, God is still providing the gift of life, giving because he's got to provide that seed, that spiritual seed that's ultimately going to, you know, kill the, uh, strike the heel and destroy. But think about the birth of Cain. Do you remember what Eve said when Cain was born? She, she said, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. <laughs> I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. <laughs> right? Do you see a little difference with naming Seth? What does she name Seth? Seth, and, and it means God is at the beginning of the sentence, whereas God was at the end the other time. Now it's God has given she didn't, you know, and, and it's, she, so you even see a God reliance yeah. okay. when it comes to the naming of a kid, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just Enosh and, you know, oh my, right? It's, it's, God, it's a God reliance, I think. Um, and then, what does Enosh mean? You might have the little footnote in your Bible. It means weakness. You know, why in the world would she name him? He's going to have a tough time at elementary school, you know, naming the kid, kid weakness. But what, like, weakness? What, what story did we just hear? If you mess with me, you know, I'll take you out. Uh, this non-God vibe. And all of a sudden she's like, I have a kid. God gave it to me. God appointed this kid. God set this kid here. Weakness, and then it says people start invoking the name of the Lord, which is prayer. Which is when you when you come to terms with your weakness, the most natural expression of that is calling on God. 
is relying on God. Wow. And, and that is what the seed of this woman, the seed that God has been trying to keep going, that's what it's supposed to look like. You're not taking people out. You're not boasting. You're not. You're, you're in weakness relying on God, depending even more on God. And that's what the seed of the woman, the seed that leads to the Messiah, so to speak, should look like, instead of the seed that's going down Cain's line. And it's getting like, wow. So the thing is, guys, you have a choice and I have a choice. And sin is lurking at our door. And it desires to master you so you start acting like the serpent. And so if I were you, I would remember Lamech and stay on the good side, you know what I'm saying, and stay with God. And I think these, these concepts hopefully will continue to help us and encourage us as we continue, you know, studying through Genesis. So hopefully that'll help you guys. That's all we got. And um, yes, ma'am. You can always say something because I'm not going to get in trouble going home. (laughs) Just as a mom, there's nothing more precious to you than your family Mm -hmm. or your children. So I just, I mean, I've never, you know, I never knew what that meant, you know, what his name meant. So um, I'm just thinking of, of Eve realizing I couldn't protect my ch- my children. I couldn't stop them from being evil. I couldn't stop them from being killed. I couldn't create unity. I couldn't create godliness in them. I could, I had no control over much because that's not your natural inclination. When you know those children come in the world, you think you can control it all. And you're shocked when you learn you can't. And so I just see that. It's like, wow, okay, so Eve was like, I, I have no, only God can help this kid turn out. I, I can't even, I can't be a good enough mother to make it happen. Right. Only God can make it happen. Mm-hmm. So I just have to say that from a mom's perspective. That's jumping That's cool. Great point. There, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you. Um, we got a worship. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, just a reminder about the college readiness workshop, November 12th. Please, if you have a teen in your life, whether it be family or friend or neighbor, neighbors that have teens, please have them sign up. It's a free resource in order to help them get care of the college. And there's so many kids out there who don't know how to do that, they don't have the resources. So please, think broadly about who can be helped by that. Thank you. And uh, we got worship night Saturday night at 7. Bring your own uh, chair, blanket, and all that good stuff. Kids are more than welcome. They'll even have kids' songs. Don't freak out if your kids start singing in the middle of a song. It's okay. Don't feel shame. We want them there. So, yes? Just remind next week is life stage. Yes, next week is that week where we uh, try to kind of meet our life stage needs, like singles, you know, youth and family and all that. So make sure you scour the mon- Monday email to make sure you know which room, which night, and all that good stuff. Because it might not be a Wednesday night. It might be a different night. Is that accurate? <laughs> and the empty nesters will meet in this particular room? OK, at 7? Cool. Awesome. And I think, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. All right.